Well, good morning, Grace. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 15. We've got some good stuff today. Subject matter is character change, radical life change. And Jesus is going to bring in a paradigm shift that separates Christianity from everything else. Character and character change. Character is who you are when no one's looking. It's what you do if you couldn't get caught. No way. Would you be honest? Are you joyful? Are you generous in those conditions, right? Like who, like what your real character is. And then like, how do you change a person's character? How do you change yourself? Right? Because one of the issues with our, our souls is it, they're like victims of physics. You know, the second law where unless we had a lot of energy, all things approach chaos, entropy. And if you just coast, if you do nothing for your own integrity, then you will just drift into a cynical, angry person or person wrapped in anxiety. The addictions get easier and harder to beat. Just happens if you just coast. Do nothing. No one stays the same. You got to add energy just to stay the same. So can we change? Can you, can you go from selfish to selfless, from greedy to generous, being a take her to a giver, from being a coward to being courageous? Well, I sure hope so. <laughs> That's why we're here in so many ways. That's the power of Christ in our lives. Today in John chapter 15, the key is life change. And in the context of this, it is the last formal teaching of Jesus the Christ. And it's, this will be the last time he says, I am. He, they have left the upper room. <clears throat> the hourglass is running towards empty, he'll be judged and be crucified soon. And on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane, it is very probable that they pass through a vineyard. And at that, he stops. And I think he's, he's bringing all of his teaching to this focal point that I, I want all of us to enjoy today. In this garden, he grabs these vines and he holds them up and he says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. My father is the gardener. And he's off and he's going to teach us about what it, the mysteries of life. He's going to tell us how and why God works with every one of his children to help them become like Christ in all of life. He's going to show us, hopefully, if we understand this passage, and we're, it's, going to, it's going to take two weeks. Okay, we're going to focus on two separate like sources. This week, we're going to talk about what we do for life change. And then next week, we'll look at what the father does, what the vine dresser, what the garden does for life change. So that we understand there's a, there's a significant difference between the two. But it's going to help us make sense out of some difficult times in our life and what God is up to in his invasion into our lives. So we'll read verses 1 through I guess, 8 right now. The key word, fruit. It'll be hard to miss. Join me, would you? I am the true vine. This is Jesus. I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off or lifts up every branch in me that uh, bears no fruit. And while every branch that does bear fruit, he's going to prune that it will be even more fruitful. You've already been clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain on the vine. 
Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers and such branches are picked up and they're thrown into a fire and they're burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask whatever you wish. It'll be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So you can see there the fruit, fruit, more fruit, much fruit, showing ourselves to be followers of Jesus Christ. And I think those 11 men that are listening to this metaphor take place understood much of what it meant. You and me, what do we know about any of this gardening stuff, right? There's a couple farmers in here, but most of us, let's just have Vineyards 101. Here's what he's talking about. He says, I, Jesus says, I am the true vine. And if you're growing a vineyard, a true vine, think of that as the trunk of the tree. It's going to go about waist high. The vine dressers will let it split left and right as to get a little head start on thing. And in either direction, Jesus is that true vine. He says, the father is the vine dresser. He's the, the father is the gardener. He's, his job is to get the most and the best fruit out of, out of the branches. And he'll do whatever that takes. We'll see that next week. You and I, we are the branches. Where the branches are set up is they're going to tie these, these uh, trellis, these cables. It'll look like, think of sheet music, you know, four or five across all the way down for those branches to, or rather, the, yeah, those branches to run down. And as th that helps them get air flowing through so they won't fall on the ground and keeps them clean, allows them to be exposed to most, allows the most branches to be exposed to the sun. So he's setting them up to win. He is the gardener, the father. Jesus is the vine, the trunk. It's connected to the ground where all the nutrients are. He's going to pull those nutrients up and then send them out to the branches. That's how it works. How the gardener, this is labor intensive, how the gardener makes that work, we're going to look at that next week. He'll do whatever's needed because the goal is fruit, more fruit, much fruit. He's actively involved in making the fruit take place. So what is the fruit? Fruit is character, traits, attributes, thoughts, ambitions that glorify God. We say around here, becoming like Christ in all of life, all of the attributes of Christ. When we have those kinds of fruits like courage or generosity or humility, those are the fruits that, that it's, going to it's going to happen in our lives. There's a, literally a list of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. We'll study that this summer, but look at the list. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You look at that list of fruit, you go, I want some of that. Right? Don't you want more joy? And I mean, it's, it's kind of, you can get greedy with this fruit. I want more joy. I want more love. I want more, you know, patience with people. I want all of those things. Sure. All of this talk about fruit and the reason... God wants fruit to spring forth in our lives, is the verse 8 there. It is, this is to my Father's glory 
that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Every time we bear fruit, it, it brings glory to God. Angels and demons both are watching and saying, wow, that's a miracle. They're becoming and looking like Christ in this way. In light of their background, where they've been, what they've experienced, look at that fruit. Each expression is that is glorifying God that way. It is Christ breaking through in us. He's breaking out in us. This week, we're going to look at what we do to play our part in bearing much fruit. When we look at that list of fruit, we look at that and it looks like goals, doesn't it? Like we've got to get on that. Let's get to work bearing fruit. Except that's not what this story is about. Jesus says the vine dresser is going to be doing all of the work. He's the farmer is the one that's active in this. Our role is passive, right? Jesus is using this as a metaphor, an analogy, a, a word picture for us because the branches are, the fruit is organic. It's a natural consequence of the branches playing their part being attached to the vine. And so the goal is not, listen carefully, the goal is not to bear fruit. That's not our goal. The, our goal is to just stay connected to the vine, to the trunk, because the trunk is connected to the ground where the nutrients are. That's how we're, that's how we're gonna, our job, remain, abide, connect, live through. Let Jesus break out in us. Watch this. We're going to read the section for the most part again, but now we're going to emphasize the word abide or in, in this translation, it will say remain 11 times, 11 times in 11 sentences. Hmm. He's, Jesus is going to say, he's going to say, you got to remain to have fruit. If you don't remain, you can't have fruit. And then he's going to say it again and again and again and again. It's just going to go back and forth and it's going to wear us down. Why? Here's why. Because it is in our inclination to what we began, what God began in the spirit, we're going to perfect in the flesh. We want a piece of this. We want, like, we want our fingerprint on some of this fruit. And Jesus is like, that's not how this works. You do this thing. Let the vine dresser do his thing. Let the Holy Spirit do his thing. Stay in your lane, branch. Look, let me read it for you. Verse one says, I am, the, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. Yeah, it must remain on the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Tell, I'm gonna say it again for the people in the back. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear fruit, much fruit. Apart from me, he can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, they're thrown into a fire and they're burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be given to you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. There's a couple more new verses. And as the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Now, remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandment and remained in his love. Last sentence, if I, if I have told you this so that my joy 
may be in you and that your joy may be complete. You see the key words there is remain. Some versions say abide. It means to lodge with. It means to sojourn with. It means to be connected to. It means to dwell with. It means to camp along. It means to be with them dependently. Verse 7, if you lodge with me and my words live in you, ask whatever you wish, it'll be given to you. If you sojourn with me and my words travel in your mind all the time, ask whatever you wish, it'll be given to you. If you encamp with me and my words dwell in your thoughts, ask whatever you wish. The, pri- the primary point of this teaching is that the branches, that's us, we are not to bear fruit. We are just to abide and stay connected. There is no command here to say, go make fruit. (laughs) But repetitiously, right, what does he say? Stay connected, abide, remain. And then, like, fruit just happens. It's organic. Play your part to saprons through things like work. Not try harder, but we'll see next week, especially when the vine dresser gets in there, depending upon circumstances of life, cling harder, (laughs) abide harder. He says it so many times because it's like Martha, Martha, if you know that story, Martha and Mary, you know, Martha's running around doing. Mary is abiding. She's sitting at his feet, back and forth, enjoying, drinking in the fellowship of being with her Savior. That's a different kind of change. This This is radically different than any, anything out there, whether it's self-help or religion or whatever it might be. <laughs> Jesus is the trunk, and he's rooted to the ground, and the branches are receiving life through that trunk. The branches live. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an indescribable paradigm change in, in how a person is changed. It's indescribable in its intimacy because the connection here is that the branch is literally drinking off of the life or the, the, I'm the vine, off of the vine. The branches are living off the life of the vine. It's total dependency. Now, the branch... The branches, this is just simple stuff, but like it's just, right? The branches have no connection to the earth where life is. And so the only way to get life to the branches is through the vine, through the trunk. So it has to remain so that it flows through. You can see sometimes, gosh, this like the last two or three months, it's just a, a word picture for this around us with all the oak trees that crashed and burned. And even right now, I uh, think about tri- trimming some trees. I've been thinking about it for about a month now. And there's some tree limbs that look, they have the appearance of abiding, right? They are superficially attached to, and three weeks ago, I didn't know which was which. How about now, right? Let's well, just look around. Now you know which ones are attached. How do you know which ones are abiding? Leaves. It's green everywhere, except where death is taking place, except where they're disconnected. So Jesus is saying, look, fruit, if you work it backwards, fruit on the end is the essence of 
and evidence of being connected. The branch is connected to the vine and the vine is connected to the ground and the ground is where the new, it's like, that's, that's Yahweh. It's the divine nature of God himself that's flowing through and giving us this. It is so different than any other source of, of character change. Like there's, there's relationships you can be in that have tremendous power of influence, but nothing like this. An employer-employee relationship, there's power of influence, sure. Uh, a coach and an athlete, a parent and a child, yes, right? That's a lot of influence, a lot of connectivity, a lot of potential change, but you can't make a teenager do what they don't want to do. You can make them regret it, but I mean, that's the nature of things. Here's the, here's the part that's important. All of those relationships are all external, trying to change someone from the inside. That can't happen. Even as powerful as they are, it's external influences. This is intrinsic. This, in, this is more than just influence. This is Jesus saying, I'm entering into you and your soul, and then it's it's changing from the inside out. The fruit gets produced by what's going on through the chemistry that's natural. Jesus had just taught on the Holy Spirit, kind of an introduction to the power of the third person of the Trinity. And now he's showing like, this is how it works. Like the Holy Spirit now is inside of your soul, inside your spirit. And the Holy Spirit is like running through your veins. And that Holy Spirit is gonna produce fruit. You're not doing the work. The Spirit's doing the work. That's lasting, true character, soul change. <laughs> this is so different in kind, not in degree, is what I'm saying. It's like this is a different kind of change, not some other types of change that just turned to 11 or something. No, no. Um, I, I was thinking all week, what an analogy would be that, that could help us. And the, the, the only one I could find was a fetus attached to a uterus through the umbilical cord, right? I mean, that, that fetus is living off the life of the mother. And it's absolutely necessary for it to be connected. And if the child, that fetus, the little baby wasn't growing, you don't like yell, grow. You do diagnostic work, you say, okay, wait a minute. Is everything healthy? Is the cord hooked up? Is that working right? Because if it is, that fetus will live off the, life, the very life of the mother and show fruit. Jesus says, I'm the vine. I'm the trunk of this tree. I am connected to the, the, like the very divine nature. And I'm pulling those resources up. And if you stay connected to me, you'll enjoy that through the veins, through the arteries of your spirit. Look how Peter says it. With that in mind, look what Peter says in 2 Peter 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness so we can be passive. Life and godliness through our personal knowledge of him through them, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the decay of the world. We participate in the divine, the, the nature of Yahweh comes through the vine into the branches if we abide. This is so revolutionary. 
Christianity isn't you know, just, just a set of rules. It is not a set of doctrine. It's so much more than that. It is, it's separ- this right here separates us from everything else because it says you, you and I, we're in an umbilical cord relationship with a triune God. And we, we are dependent, not independent, and we are passive, not active. The Father's doing the work through the Spirit and it is intrinsic change, not extrinsic. We, we just do, we need to do this one thing. Jesus is like, you just stay connected to me. And everything else just happens. Listen, listen to this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Through Christ, his strength in me, breaking out courage. Got to just remain we just need to remain. Well, how do we do that? <laughs> how do we remain in Jesus? Well, Jesus is going to use two applications for this. How do, how do we increase like, our dependence upon the Spirit's work in our souls? He's going to reference two primary points. Truth and love. And you're not surprised. Of course, it's going to be truth and love. We need to remain in his truth, remain in his love. That's how we grow. If we're not growing, we're not showing fruit, becoming more bitter, more anxious, more whatever, I'll bet you're not experiencing that abiding flow of of remaining in his love or truth. Look, when he talks about truth, it, it says in verse seven, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. This is the idea of knowing the words of, of Christ and, well, the Bible, Old and New Testament, not just knowledge, but it's mind transforming. It's paradigm shifting. It is letting the word of God define what is right and real and true. And you being self-aware enough, like when we're self-aware enough, we can start checking ourselves and saying, no, that's not what the Bible says. I was disconnected for a second. It is an instinctive response to life circumstances in a way where we're responding like, eventually we'd be responding like Christ in the way we think and feel and, and do. It's like muscle memory where you just like, it just happens. In Colossians, Paul writes that, may the word of Christ dwell richly inside of you. It's, it's when the the nature of God and the promises of God are part of our psyche, our primary program that's running all the time. And it shows up sometimes in our failures, but sometimes it shows up, we're, we're bearing this fruit of, of applying to truth. When uh, word comes down that we're gonna have a bunch of layoffs, it's gonna be a Russian roulette, no one knows who's gonna be let go. And while everyone runs and panics, and it's all 100% up to you to find a way to survive. You think, wait a minute. Jesus said, I, I feed the birds of the sky. I, I dress the flowers of the field and they don't matter much to Jesus. And then he says, but, but I love you. So you don't need to worry. Like you're, you're a dad. You, like if your kid asks for a loaf of bread, would you give him a rock? If he asks for fish, would you give him a snake? And you're evil. You know what's good for your kids? I'm a good father. I'm going to be good to you. 
And no matter what happens at the end of this, you will not be alone. And so while everybody's burning ulcers, you're going, I'm going to think, I'm going to abide in the truth and have this fruit of peace. And studying the Bible for more than just reflection or inspiration it's, it, or doctrine, it's, it's, it's reflection. I like to, honestly, the better, best word I have is imagination. I imagine myself in the promises or I imagine myself in the storylines. I change the Bible around. So there, said it. For God so loved Matt that he sent his only begotten son. If I believe in him, I'd have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn Matt. Sent him to, you'd have eternal life. You start applying these promises to your life and that's when you're abiding in the word. Jesus also says you need to abide in his love. And his love and obedience are almost synonymous here because if you love, you'll obey. And when you obey, you're going to show your loving. But look what it says in verse 9. It says, as the Father has loved me, so I loved you. Now remain in my love. It's all... It's like Jesus is saying, look, the sap is going to be running through you. What does that truth sap taste like? (laughs) Oh, that's real. What does the love sap taste like? When you're drinking off of that, it's coming through your pores. You walk into a room and love is, is preceding you. And people know that. He's saying the the ground, right, where the nutrients are, the Yahweh, his, his divine nature is coming up in the, he's specifically bringing up love here. It's coming up and it's showing itself in your life fruitful. And that it's showing itself in obedience. Verse 10 says, if you obey my commands, you will remain in his, my love, just as I obeyed my father's commands and remained in his love. Love is expressed in obedience because when we love, we obey. And quite often, slip it around, no time to explain in many ways, a lot of times when we don't obey, it's because we're pursuing love in places that we shouldn't be. We're pursuing significance or exaltation because we're not enjoying the love and, and the significance we have in Christ. And so in the application of what it means to abide in the love, let me just focus on this one truth. This could be the most important time right now, right here. It's this fact that the moment you change your allegiance of the nature of your salvation and who you surrender your life to, when you go from, I'm going to earn my way to heaven, I'm going to have my own religious system, I'm going to like try to be approved by God, and you abandon that because you realize the nature of your own sin or the holiness of God, and you switch over and you start to grasp the promises of Jesus Christ, and you say, yeah, I'll let his death and resurrection pay my debt, and I'll inherit his righteousness. I'll let him take my shame. I will not be ashamed again. I'll take his honor. He can have my powerlessness, and I will receive the power of the Spirit. The moment that happens, you are seen by God as as a beautiful, radiant son or daughter of the king. And it never changes. There's no, there's no wavering in his love. I'm going to say it a different way. Like 
His love for you, his love for me, it never increases. It never decreases. It is status. It is 100 proof all the time. And so when we talk about remaining in his love, it's not trying to get more love. Frankly, it is abiding, remaining in the love is growing in our awareness of this fact that he can't love us anymore. He can't possibly love us any less. And when we grasp that, we stop looking for love and appreciation or significance and exaltation in these other ways because we keep going back to, I'm a child of the king. I'm a prince. I'm a princess. <laughs> There's no need to dabble in these other distractions that grieve the father. Jesus, is, this, is how, this is how life change works. This is how the whole spirit world works in the, in the lives of the children of God. Jesus is the vine, the source of the nutrients. The father is the gardener, the vine dresser. We're just branches. And we have one job, <laughs> remain. Remain in his love, remain in his truth. And that, when we drink of that, we just bear fruit. We can't help it. It just happens. And when that happens, look at two consequences. I love this. Two consequences. These are fruits by themselves. Look at verse 7. If you remain, abide, dwell in me, in my words, in you, like ask whatever you wish, it'll be given to you. Well, sure. <laughs> Why wouldn't you ask? If, if, if you have the spirit running through your thoughts, feelings, and actions, you're going to pray the thoughts, feelings, and actions of Jesus. So sure, you're going to, whatever that prayer is, you're going to be receiving an answer to that. Certainly, that's an easy application there. The other one is, I think, again, I, I think just like before, where he says, I'll, whatever you ask, I don't think he's changing subjects. He's like, oh, let's talk about fruit. Wait, hold on. I, got, I just remembered, I want to talk to you about prayer over here. No, the context is fruit. And he says, look, you want to pray about some fruit? <laughs> Do it. I'm going to give that to you. You just ask for, for joy. You're famously gloomy. We would love to see that. The Holy Spirit would love to see that in your life. Let's do that. Hard, crusty heart. And then you pray, I want to pray for the fruit of, of compassion, uh, com tenderheartedness. I'm going to pray for that. And Jesus says, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you pray that, you're going to get that answered. Saying, let the divine nature flow through the, through the ground, up through the vine, stay connected. Those branches are going to have those fruits of the Spirit. Pray for them. Go ahead. Yeah, I've answered a prayer when you do this. The other thing is overflowing joy. Verse 11 again, I have told you this so that, I've told you like how this thing works, so that my joy will be in you. See, not like on you, in you. And that your joy may be complete. It's organic. It's coming through the inside of you. This is different than anything else. This joy that's just abounding in a culture that we're living in today, I dare you to just stop and stop, step into a room and overflow with joy. <laughs> You'll be like a flag flying. I love this, this quote. Joy is the flag that flies over the castle of our hearts, announcing that the king is in residence. 
You walk into any room with that flag of joy flying, people are going to stop and stare. You can pastor a church and not abide, not be connected. We've done that. Boy, it's heavy. You can run a business. You can have a marriage where there's nobody remaining. And you might even have, I don't know, signs of health. But boy, you worked for it. You worked hard. And it's not lasting. But could I tell you the easy way? Is what Jesus is saying here. It's passive. It's intrinsic. It's supernatural. Abide, connect, co-join, and then you have these powerful, effective prayers. And you're starting to see God's stories everywhere. You have this joy unspeakable that dominates most of you know, your life experiences. It's... It's so different. Here's, here's how, it, let me show you, like, what does it look like? What do you want? You want peace? You want, you want to go from unforgiving to forgiving? That'd be great, right? You're an anxious person. This is the peace part. You want to have a softer heart towards other people? Here's how you do the abide in truth and abide in love. You seek this thing out. You pray for that. He wants to answer that prayer. I want peace. Okay, so... You go, to, you go to verses in the Bible that focus on peace. This is the peace I leave with you, not the peace of the world. You look for promises that are based on peace and why those promises can be true, the theology behind them, the promises of the nature of God. You look for examples in the Bible where men and women are expressing this supernatural peace, and this is the imagination part. You get inside of their stories, and when they choose something that you don't choose, they're right, you're wrong. You're self-aware enough to say, I, what, what, what's going on here? You look at the life of uh, Joseph standing before Pharaoh. And they don't know how to answer this prayer. No one knows what the, I'm sorry, not prayer, but uh, dream. No one knows what the dreams mean. And Joseph just says, well, okay, so before I tell you, <laughs> I serve Yahweh God that's way above you, and I, he rules the universe. Oh, Okay. <laughs> That could get you killed, but it doesn't matter to him. Daniel, before the many kings that he stood behind, stood, stood in front of, and just proclaimed who he served and who his Lord was, how does that peace happen? How? You look in their lives and you can tell. They, they have a grasp of the unrelenting, unflexing, consistent, 100% proof Love of God in their nature. They understand that. They grasp the truth of the promises of God that no matter what happens, they will never be left. They will never be forsaken. They've applied Bible verses to their life. For God so loved Daniel. They become invincible. They, there's nothing to fear. And so they have this peace and tranquility the kind of peace that Jesus gives. And so it didn't happen overnight. It wasn't easy for them, but they certainly get to that place and that fruit is breaking out because of the work of the Spirit inside of their life. When you feel like you're weak and powerless and defeated, 
this passage says, well, maybe you're disconnected to the vine. Maybe you should be spending more time at the feet of Jesus, Martha, with your sister Mary, because that's where the power is. Maybe you've been working it from extrinsic instead of intrinsic. Because here's the thing. The Lord wants fruit in our life, and this passage goes all the way back to kind of a bigger worldview and how the Lord works. It's this value. He gets all the glory. All the stories are about him. He doesn't share credit with anyone. Okay, think about that. Our salvation. What do we, have? What do we bring? Sin. That's it. Oh, that's all we bring. Repentance. What about life change? He doesn't want us telling stories where we go, yeah, I read these three books. I went to this seminar. Those are good things. Not against them. But supernatural change? He wants us to tell God's stories that says, yeah, fought like cats and dogs, two selfish people fighting over crumbs. And then we change the paradigm and we sought our love from the love, the 100% pure love of the Spirit of God coming up through the root, coming through the, right, the trunk into our branches. And then we just, we try to outlove each other. And God gets the glory. When we tell God stories, he gets, that's a way of saying God gets the glory. And he has set up even our transformation in a way that he doesn't have to share credit. I love, it just makes sense, right? We are participating in his divine nature and telling people about it. He's changing us from the inside out. We're living off of his sap. And his sap, oh, it tastes like truth with a whole lot of love. Abide, cling to, remain, drink up. And he'll change your life in ways that angels gasp and demons weep to the glory of God. Do you get it? We know our part. You come back next week. We'll see what the Father's up to. You're going to need to know that. Let's pray. Well, in some ways, Lord, I, I don't know how you couldn't have been more clear. <laughs> but yet we still, what, what we have received miraculously, we try to perfect with works. It is, I think we want to share the glory with you. That's what it is. So now, Lord, we, with a better understanding of just how... <laughs> physics of our souls work. We cling more dependent upon you than maybe ever before. We long for you working in us and through us. Lord, we want that we would be a church of individuals and collectively with stories of great transformation from the inside out, about learning new expressions of being completely dependent on your spirit working in us, breaking out, fruit just happening because it has to happen if we're abiding, if we're clinging, if we're remaining. Lord, make us a church, make us people in a church that just tell stories about your glory working in us in spite of us and help us understand 
our part as we come to understand what you'll be doing in our lives. So, thank you, Lord, for loving us in this way. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.